Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with songwriter, entrepreneur, photographer, and author Ryan Cote. He is the owner of Morning Upgrade, a business dedicated to increasing the awareness of personal development through a blog, podcast, and book. He is also co-owner in his family's marketing agency and roofing company, as well as real estate investing. Ryan lives in New Jersey with his wife and three daughters. He's got a great story. Enjoy. Awesome. So how, where, where are you from? Kansas City, Missouri, right in the middle of the map. Okay, I'm New Jersey, so Jersey, right on, right on. Yeah, yeah I um, um, something was on last night. There were oh, I was watching a, a hot a hot ones with Joey Diaz, and they were going through kind of the legacy of Jersey folk, you know, like Sinatra and Hoboken, and just kind of going through the whole thing. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, his his life must have been crazy back. Um, back when he was like at his peak, you know, uh, man, I I'm reading a book by TJ English and it's about, um, how the mob was really integral in the early days of jazz, like when prohibition was going on and, you know, kind of that racial mix and the mob mix and how they all came together and how it all went through. And man, they, they brought up Sinatra and I've read plenty on him. Wow. That dude had so much going on. There was so many levers that he was pulling in his life. I don't even know how he did it. Man, crazy. What a but, typical night must have been like for him. Oh, my God. Typical day. The, the best thing ever is when Don Rickles would totally destroy him on Carson. Like he, he, you know, and there was a couple times where he'd look over and be like, dude, you know what? I know people, so you better be careful. But I think Don was immune. I think he could he could totally do whatever he wanted to do with anybody and they were fine. Yeah. You know, so what, did, he, did he ever get married or no? Sinatra. Who, Sinatra? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was married probably he I think like three or four times. I mean, he was really, he really went through the ringers. Well, he had a lot of options, so yeah, it right. Hard to make up your mind. <laughs> I think yeah. the thing is is that Sinatra had his girls. I interviewed a trombonist. His name was Reggie Watkins out of uh, he's up in uh, outside of Philadelphia, I believe. And he was telling me a story about how he used to tour with Maynard Ferguson, and Maynard had stories all the time. So when Maynard got really big, he moved to L.A. and became a studio musician and he started dating a girl. And all the guys were like, dude, this is one of Sinatra's girls. You better watch it. He was like, whatever. So he kept doing his thing. So one day he's up in his home in the hills and a couple of goons come to his door and they have LPs and Sharpies and they knock and he opens up and he's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, you know, we're big fans. I'm a big fan. This guy's massive. Can I get an autograph? And he was like, dude, why are you, why are you here right now? And he just dropped the whole thing. And he said, look, get away from Sinatra's girl. And he said, I'll tell you what, right now, I got a message for you. You can send to Sinatra. You can tell him to go fuck himself and slam the door in his face. So he <laughs> thought he was going to die. <laughs> he walked away. He was like, what the hell did I do? So two weeks later, they're on a sound set together. Hmm. And he's on the elevator and Sinatra gets on. And they start going up the elevator. And he's like, this is it. He was just, he was like going through his life. Everything was flashing. Sinatra gets off before him, looks back at the elevator and said, man, kid, you got a you, you got a large set of balls and the door just closed and he just wiped his brow and that was it. <laughs> so he went up against Goliath and won, you know, so it's wild. <laughs> that's the only uh, that's real awesome. personal Sinatra story. I, it was one of the best ones I ever heard. So but anyway, at any rate, hey, man, it's great to meet you. And I know you're a busy guy with a lot of arts and creativity going on in your life. So. Before we get to that point, you know, we all went through quite a thing with COVID, especially yes. for creatives. It did its thing on us. 
And now that we're entering a post-pandemic era of our lives, how did you survive it, get through it, and how has it changed the way that you do things now? Are we recording right now? Yeah. Okay, this is the actual podcast interview? Yeah, if that's okay. I, I come from jazz radio, so we're like, we're improv. We're like going in. Okay, I wasn't sure. All right, hold on one second. Um, yeah. I thought we were doing a pre-show kind of thing, so I make sure my computer doesn't die here. Okay. Um, how did I get through? So I'll be honest. Um, so I, I've got three. I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide what direction I want to go with this answer. I've got three daughters that are very involved in sports and things like that. And so it's always very chaotic in terms of like drop offs and where we're going with them and just all the logistical stuff every day. And those first like few months where everything just slowed down, it was kind of nice. Like it's got very slow. Um, we were having dinner as a family for the first time ever because the schedules never matched up. And so I honestly enjoyed the slower pace, slower paced life. You know, I, I was able to just read more. I had more time in my hands. I'm not like, obviously I knew it was a serious thing and people were losing their life, but in terms of my life, this schedule got a lot more calm. I had more clarity, more time to think. Um, it did change things with the business for sure though, because we're pushing everyone remote. So trying to logistically figure that out, like I'm in my basement now, this is like my, my office now. And so, uh, we pushed everyone remote trying to figure that out. Cause we were for 57 years, you know, our, the agency Valentine, we had a physical location. And so just trying to figure out that logistically, how we're going to make it work. And so there was a lot of change. Um, you know, clients were scaling back on their marketing. They were freaking out about, things obviously. And so there's a lot of moving parts, but I think what made it easier, honestly, is the slower pace of life. We had more time to think and figure it out. Um, so yeah, really interesting time though. Crazy, yeah. really. So let's get to the essence of what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of the kids looks up at you and says, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? We help companies um, advertise their products and services. So they sell more. That's really it. So what did you want to be when you were in the third grade? What was your dream? Oh, man. What do I want to be when I was in third? Hmm. I mean, I was really obsessed with baseball. Not that I thought I'd be a professional baseball player, but like Ricky Henderson, um, for some reason, I gravitated towards him. Maybe because he was a, a base stealer and I was like a sprinter too. Like a, in, in a, even like going back to third grade, I, I realized that I was faster than, than all the other kids. And so then you look at Ricky Henderson and him stealing bases. So I was kind of obsessed with that. Um, I also always naturally gravitated towards like making things and creating things and selling things. I remember like, um, you know, obviously there's like the baseball card story that everyone tells, which I did sell baseball cards, but then I was making things, trying to sell them on eBay. Try, I was trying to invent things like event glue and just like random stuff. A lot of it was kind of like weird, you know, but I always gravitated towards making and selling things. So maybe so, an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. So you need to hear the 30 for 30 they did on Ricky Henderson. It was really good. Like, hmm. it, cause he didn't stop. Like he went to minor league and he was trying to come back and just like the whole story of how this all unfolded for him. It's a part that people don't realize it's fascinating. Huh? Okay. I'll so, yeah, definitely take a look at that. Totally. So let me ask you this kind of, before we get into more here, if you could go back in baseball history and see any event firsthand, 
what would you love to see? Um, you know, my dad always talks about Mickey Mantle and like the, I guess like the charisma that he had and the, the, the crowds he would draw Babe Ruth too. I find him really interesting because he was, he was kind of like a train wreck, but also a phenomenal baseball player. So I would interesting guy kind of just did what he wanted to do. And I would imagine if I, if you're around him, you felt that energy. And I think that would be really interesting to feel that and see it. Yeah. Well, my dad was born in Brooklyn and raised in Long Island. So I kind of became a Mets fan. I would have to be there when Billy Buckner, that ball went through his leg. Uh, poor guy. I know. I feel bad for the dude, but the, the euphoria, like I just went the other day, my, my son and my uh, stepdaughter's boyfriend took me to a Royals game. In 50 years, I've never seen what I saw that day. Otani was there. He hit a home run. He got thrown out at second, which was weird. Uh, Trout was there. All these guys. There was a rookie player for the Royals. We came back from six runs down in the eighth inning. It was six to two. Rookie kid comes up, bottom of the ninth, hits a walk-off. I have, I could not believe it. Like, the mm. Royals are abysmal, so there's nothing really going on. But everybody <laughs> that stayed there were all sun-beaten and going crazy. I think we were just all crying and waiting for champagne to just come splicing out of the sky onto our bodies. <laughs> it was unreal. So, anyway, needless to say, I'm a baseball fan myself. So... Let's get to how all this started for you. Let's go back to where you were born and raised and how these seeds got into you to be creative and to be an entrepreneur. How did this happen? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've, I wonder about that because, well, my family, you know, it's, it's a family business. And so I've always been around entrepreneurship and, um, but then, but then I think my two brothers weren't doing that kind of stuff. Like I've always had side businesses um, even like my first job out of college, I wasn't with the family. I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and writing an ebook back when that was like a big thing, it, you know, just like, so I've always been tinkering and, and, um, you know, I think th I'm sure there was influence from my family, you know, cause I was around my uncle and my dad and my grandpa and my great uncle, and they were always talking about the business. And so I think if I had to get, if I had to guess, those were probably the seeds it's just puzzling to me because my brothers aren't like that. I mean, they're in the business, but they're not always tinkering with things and like creating things. It must just be the way I'm wired, you know, but definitely the seeds came from the family business. I, you know, I would volunteer, not volunteer. I would work for them between like summer breaks and summer breaks between college and, and high school. And so, you know, doing like, you know, data entry stuff. And so I've always kind of was peppered with it. And so I would imagine those are the seeds that were eventually going to sprout, you know? So who's been a hero for you in your life? Hero? You know, honestly, I know the answer. I think my dad and my uncle to an extent, my great uncle too. My great uncle who started the business, uh, he was a phenomenal salesperson. He had like kind of like this swag to him, you know, very successful. He ended up leaving the family business and starting another business that was really successful. So he's always had this kind of swag to him. Like even like my wife, she loves, he's not alive anymore, but he, she would love to talk to him because he was just so interesting. Um, but I never saw him much. I don't think he had that much of an impact on me just from when I was around him, like holiday parties and family get togethers and weddings. I was always very impressed by him because he started the business, started a second successful business. He always had like this aura about him that he was um, 
just successful, confident, always knew what to say, you know, never seemed nervous. You know, he just kind of had the swag about him. And so that always stood out to me. There's always that one guy in the room, you know? <laughs> yeah. People wanted to talk to him. Even my wife, you know, and, and my sister-in-laws, they, everyone likes, likes talking to Uncle Tom. That's know? cool, man. That's very cool. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Give me anyone on the planet right now alive. Um, the first thought that came to mind, Mick has listened to his podcast so much, is Ed Milet. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. 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 He's got a very successful podcast. He's got his own business too, a very successful family man. He just seems like a real dude, you know, and very successful and uh, just multifaceted. So I think, yeah, that, that he was the first one that came to mind. So I'm going to go with that one. Right on. So, what is the fuel for you? What is the fuel in your tank that makes you do you do what you do, to accomplish what you want to get done? What is that for you? Yeah, so I have this. Um, for me, I think it's it, it's it's growth. It's growth and achievement. I know that I get into ruts when I don't feel like I'm achieving and 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 growing. Where I, where things feel like they're stagnant, or I'm not you know I'm not making progress on things. One of the downsides, honestly, of someone talking with this. Of my dad yesterday because I had lunch with him. The work from home uh, situation is nice because you don't have to commute. I, 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 my schedule, like I, I don't get distracted at the office. People asking me questions and things like that. But the downside is that you, it, it's easier to get lazy. It's easier to just fall into like this complacent, like you're working, but you're not kind of working. It's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling, you know. Um, and so that messes with my head because for me, I need to, I'm, I'm, I'm fueled by personal growth and where I feel like I'm tackling hard things and, you know, creating things and things like that. And so that's definitely what fuels me. That's why I think I'm so much into personal development. I didn't mention this, but we have, I have like the pot, a podcast, a website called morning upgrade um, where I write about this stuff to, to hopefully help people. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's definitely personal growth is what fuels me. What's been your best client success story so far? One that you remember that you really like? Yeah, that one's easy. Um, there's a, it's a, it's a manufacturer. So uh, on Valentine, there's the direct mail side and there's the digital side. I'm on the digital side. So I'm going to go from that angle. Um, on, so we met, it was a few years ago, we met this manufacturer of custom iron doors and he just bought the business from, Another guy who just basically, he had a website, but he wasn't really using it. I don't know how he was generating sales. I think it was more just like outbound, just relationships. And so this guy, Barry, bought the business and had no idea what he was going to do in terms of marketing. We met him at a trade show, and um, now we handle all his digital you know, SEO, Google Ads, content, social. And it's just now he has like th uh, four locations. He you know gets more leads than he knows what to do with to the point where he had to fine-tune the process hire someone to answer the phones. And so, cause a lot of the leads were getting lost cause he just couldn't, couldn't call them back fast enough and they're still a client today. So uh, that's definitely the one. So what are you the proudest of that you've done so far in life? I like these questions, Joe. Let me think here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to wake up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what am I proudest of? Uh, can I say a few things? Yeah, sure. I just I I, I want to answer this just based on like what comes first to mind. Obviously, raising girl, I have three girls, twelve, ten, and eight, and they're you know they're successful in their own rights. Whether one's a one's a professional dancer, one is really good at sports. You know, they all have like their 
their thing that, that I'm really proud of. So to raise them, because, you know, we're like all imperfect humans trying to raise these humans. And so it's sometimes you don't know if you're getting it right. So I feel like we're getting it right with them, you know, for the most part. And so that's definitely something I'm proud of. Um, the businesses that I've had and, and, you know, my side businesses and my, my family business, what we've done there, um, you know, that's obviously something I'm proud of graduating college and just, just becoming the man I am today. I'm not, you know, I, I've got, I think I have ways to go, but I'm proud of who I am today. So right on. So let's say you have a dream tonight, you run into the 20 year old version of yourself and you could give that younger version of you a piece of advice based on the life you've led wisdom you've gained. What would you tell your young version? Um, hmm. I was pretty introverted back then. I, I, I avoided a lot of situations like social situations. I, you know, I hung on to girlfriends and like, I always had a girlfriend, I think, because it was just easier, you know, like I was just, I became complacent in those relationships. Um, it, you know, my earlier career, like, so, you know, I was still in college and, but <clears throat> I would avoid parties. I would avoid like this, just letting my introvertness, if that's the word, you know, dictate my actions. And I would just tell myself just to get over myself and just go for it, you know, stop being afraid. So, Ryan, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I'm trying. I'm actually working on that a lot my, this year for myself, just trying to really understand who I am. Um, my perception of myself is um, someone that is... I feel we were talking about myself like this, but okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's a therapy session. That is. <clears throat> it really is. I think I'm going to start crying. Um, kind. Um, kind. Someone that um, wants to make the world a better place. Even if it's a, you know, I know I'm not like Elon Musk here, but even if it's a small little part, you know, even like my, my, my local community, that's, that's all that's, that that's fine. Um, someone that wants to keep on growing, someone that wants to, um, experience a lot of things, um, someone that wants to see what's possible, you know, cause I always want to try to get a little bit better. Um, yeah, those, those, those are the things that come to mind. So Ryan, if anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Uh, the two sites, the family business is Valentine.com, like the beer, but no relationship valentine.com and then there's morningupgrade.com that's my personal development blog podcast and all of that right on man ryan this has been great thank you for opening up thanks for your story best of luck with everything i feel a kinship with you there's a rest i, I have a restless spirit so you just got to keep going <laughs> thanks joe this was fun Cool. It. Absolutely. Take care, man. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Yeah.